0: Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. This is Episode 6. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind you that I'll be doing a live Q&A with my friend Eric Tivers at 1.30 Eastern on Tuesday, February 13th. Go to ADHDrewired.com events for more details. Also, if you're willing... I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It goes a long way toward helping others find the show. In today's episode, we're talking to Sandy. Sandy's husband has ADHD, as does one of her three children. We'll be discussing the challenges of being married to ADHD, raising twins when one has ADHD and the other doesn't, and the value of knowing your love language. All right, let's get rolling. So how are you?
1: I'm good, as you can see, I'm always running late. I'm always either 15 minutes early or 30 minutes late to everything, (laughs) never on time.
0: That's a big spread.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's hard. Well, you know, um, I commute to the office with my husband, and he, can, he never really gets himself on a schedule, you know, because it's his office. He rolls in when he needs to. And today I thought it would be a perfect opportunity because he had a um, 10 a.m. deposition. So I knew he'd be there on time. So I wake him up this morning. He's like, oh, well, we're not going to leave till 8:30." And I'm thinking to myself, well, we're going to be cutting it really close, but that's what he likes to do. I think he just lives for that adrenaline, you know, cutting it close. And so, we pulled into the office parking lot pretty much right when you texted me, and then I had to scramble to get everything ready over here. That's usually what a lot of my life is—is is navigating around Chris and his schedule, and then you know when I'm with the kids, navigating around them and and their schedules. Uh, the kids are definitely easier than Chris can be sometimes.
0: And he has ADHD.
1: He does. He was diagnosed, I would say, twenty two, twenty three years ago. Um, by a psychiatrist in San Francisco. And and the name is escaping me, but he was uh, one of the premier people that was studying it at the time. And Chris has told me when his family um, started learning about it and reading about it, at one point, his dad was in tears because he realized so many of the things that he had kind of struggled with Chris about and he'd always blamed Chris and wondered why is Chris lazy or why is Chris this way or why doesn't Chris listen? and he realized what one of the things that um, his dad realized was that his emotional maturity wasn't that of a person of his age. it was much younger. and so you know that's why Chris took a lot longer to finish school and and he went to community college for like three or four years and then he went to UCLA for almost seven years. <laughs> they they basically kicked him out. They're like, "You've had enough fun. Go out into the real world now and, and do something <laughs> with your life." So he went to law school. You know, litigation is is a really great profession for him because it's a lot of quick adrenaline bursts. You're always kind of uh, at attention because you never know what's going to hit you today. I think he thrives on that. He loves that. He's also a surfer. And he always tells me it's like those quick sprints, those quick bursts when you like jump up on the board. And that's where he like really gets the thrill from surfing. And I remember I was watching a PBS special once and it was talking about how people with ADHD or ADD have lower levels of adrenaline in their brain. And it's not until like some kind of stress or external force causes the adrenaline in their brain to kick in uh, you know, into a higher gear that they start functioning. I don't know. Normal is a bad word. I think neurotypical is is like the scientific word they use.
0: Yeah. It's the dopamine levels in our brains that are just, they're not as significant as people who are neurotypical. So people with ADHD tend to seek out those more stimulating activities to get the dopamine and and other people do that too. It, you're just going to find yeah. more with people with ADHD.
1: Yeah, and I definitely struggled with that in, in the beginning of our marriage. All the bills were paid, you know, at the very last second. And um, you know, taxes were always paid on the last day. And I, I just never understood that because I'm the type of person where it's like, okay, that's an important deadline. Let's just be sure it's taken care of, you know, a week or two weeks in advance. There's no advantage to paying your taxes on the very last day. You don't get a discount or anything like that for it. So you just get peace of mind if you do it earlier. You know, that that was a huge struggle for me because I I had to kind of become comfortable with knowing that he's going to get it done because he always does, but he doesn't until that, that stress kicks in. And, and even with um, the way we work at the office, he always works on his assignments at the very last minute. And it drives me insane because it's a lot of work and to do it all last minute you know then you're staying up late and that's just not how my brain works my brain works early in the morning through the day and then shuts off around you know dinner time and then i just want to i want to relax where he you know just wants to keep he he works in bursts so he'll like work for a little bit in the morning and then he wants to take a nap or read a book or something and then he gets back to it and then you know he'll go and take a cigar break or go for a walk or do something for a little while, and then he comes back. So he's like constantly working, whereas I'm the type of person where I want to go in, finish my work, and then be done. It's a different lifestyle. And it's kind of hard to understand if you don't experience those same things
0: internally. So you work together in the same office. We
1: do. Yeah.
0: And you're both lawyers. And you also are coming home together, or at least coming home to the same house if yeah. not actually well, at the same time. I only time. come
1: to the office 3 days a week, but those days we do travel in the car together and that can be really frustrating too because we live about we have an about an hour commute and the whole way there he's just screaming about traffic the whole way, you know, he's constantly talking about the traffic and this and this and I'm just like, you know, we get so little time with each other. We could uh, catch up. We could treat this as like a date time or something, you know, for him like it's a, it's almost like a video game. Like he has to cut off as many cars as he can. He has to get as far forward as possible. <laughs> he, you know, and it's like those extra minutes that he gains, they just give him so much satisfaction.
0: So I'm wondering you would like to maybe turn that into some date time some quality time together. I'm not clear based on how you said that if that's a thought you've had or we, a conversation we've tried it
1: because it has resulted in in me saying I can't sit in the car with you <laughs> you're driving me nuts. So we we tried um something that was suggested to us which was to listen to some podcasts like things that um you know we would both be interested on the way to work and sometimes letting me drive so that he can read his paper or study something that you know he's gonna be doing later in the day. And when we have done that, it's been really positive. But it kind of brings me to another point that we struggle with together, which is consistency. I have a hard time getting consistency from Chris. Although he liked it, he enjoyed it, he saw how it created a really positive effect in our relationship the next time we don't do it that's a, another major thing that i feel like i struggle with you know in dealing with a partner with adhd is i feel like sometimes i have to overcompensate i have to make more of the effort or like keep him on the schedule or say okay today we're going to do the podcast like and sometimes you know i wish it would be initiated by him but one of the things that I am like learning and trying to come to terms with is that he doesn't do these things because he doesn't want to. Um, sometimes he just spaces. He just doesn't remember or, or he's caught on something else. Like today we were driving to the office and we were having this really engaging conversation and we were talking, talking, talking. And then I switched the subject and I was talking about something that was kind of important to me. And he picks up his newspaper in the middle of the conversation and he just ignores me and I said, you know, Chris, like I was talking to you and it was kind of important and you just ignored me. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was listening to everything you were saying. I really was and I was like well, what was I saying? And he repeated everything back to me. So he was listening, but you know, you want someone to kind of look at you and maybe give you a mm-hmm or you know a sign that they're listening to you. But I have I have to know that yeah Chris can read the paper. And listen to me at the same time, and you know, even though he's not looking at me, uh, you know, he's listening to me. But you know, that that can kind of be hurtful.
0: That can be a challenging thing. They're listening, they're tuned in, but they, for some reason, just need something else going on as well. They don't always think through the underlying message of what it is that they're doing. They don't recognize that. Well, the message you're sending to me right now is that you don't really care what I have to say. Exactly. And meanwhile, that person knows exactly what you said and can repeat the whole conversation back at you, as long as it didn't happen more than three minutes ago. It can be a challenging dynamic. Those more subtle aspects of communication also need to be respected. And then, like you're saying, you're the neurotypical one in this relationship, in this marriage. And it sounds like you often need to be the spearhead of the organization side of the marriage and of the family. like. And that planning can get
1: exhausting too.
0: And it's hard to maintain consistency Yeah, because you're sort of planning for, well, I guess you have, you have three kids, right? Are they identical? Your daughters? The twins
1: are fraternal. They're five and they're girls. And then we have a two and a half year old son. And so far, I'm pretty sure that one of the twins and the son are neurotypical, but one of our daughters, I think is like mini Chris. <laughs> She's just like him. And in so many ways, especially in the term in the sense like if she's interested in something, I mean, she is she sticks with it and she's got it. Like when they get their homework packets at the beginning of the week, even though they're only in kindergarten, she can finish it in like twenty minutes. And this is something they're supposed Mm -hmm. to do over the course of the week. Whereas my other daughter, she can do, you know, one or two of the worksheets a day. And then, you know, she's tired and, and you can tell because she's cranky or she's not paying attention and, and she's had it, she's done. Um, whereas, you know, Lolly, the one that I, I believe has ADHD, she she can just sit there and, and do it until it's done. And if she's enjoying it, I can give her more worksheets and, and she'll keep going. We were kind of lax with the iPads with the kids. I mean, we we didn't, say no iPads we kind of just gave them time limits on how much they could do it per week Um, but Lolly would when she was younger she would watch this one thing and that's all she would watch and it was this app about the alphabet and they would sing a song about each letter and she knew the songs and she loved singing them and she knew her alphabet before she was you know two and a half she was just interested in it she just liked it and she liked the letters Whereas Valentina, you know, she was more like the other children I would see, you know, playing with her dolls and wanting to dress up like a fairy. She was getting at the age where she wanted to have more um, control over the clothes that she wears or the toys she plays with. And so I would go to Valentina and I would say, Valentina, do you want to wear this or do you want to wear this? And she would pick the thing that had more pink in it. And then I would go to Lolly and I would do the same thing. I said, Lolly, do you want to wear this outfit or this outfit? She couldn't care less. Like it didn't matter to her. There are a few things that she cared about, and that's all she ever wanted to do. When we would go to the park and we would go on the swings, I would only push them if they would count. She very quickly learned to count to 10, and then to 10 in Spanish, and then to 10 in, in my native language, Gujarati. I have a video of her, you know, around two years old, and she's sitting there counting things in three different languages you know that was when i one of the times when i thought to myself okay this this girl's bright she's got a, a good functioning brain which which chris does too when i first started working for him i started out as his law clerk and i would notice that he was just never in the office that much he was always off surfing or you know sometimes he would be gone for like a couple of days and he wouldn't bother to tell me oh i'm going to visit my family and I would do all the work for the case. And then we went to trial and I'm thinking to myself, how is this guy going to win this trial? He's barely been around and he opens his mouth and starts talking about this case and saying things that I didn't even know. I mean, he, he was able to hold so much information in his head, even though, you know, his way of doing it was so sporadic and more like cramming whereas you know I was constantly working on it and I was so amazed that even though I was the one doing most of the work he clearly knew so much more about the case than I did there are things about his ADHD that fascinate me and that I find so interesting and they make him a vivid personality so it's not all bad it's not all difficult it's uh, it's it's uh, a mixed bag i would say
0: We've talked a little bit about how ADHD is affecting your family. I want to explore that a little bit more with two separate questions. One of which is, how is it making things harder? Which we've talked about a little bit. And the other one being, what is it adding to your family? Which we've also talked about a little bit. So, if there's anything jumping to mind about how, how ADHD is making things harder for your family, so not just in terms of your relationship with Chris, but big picture.
1: I noticed that Lolly excels in school a little more than valentina does you know she gets things faster her penmanship is is neater she finishes her homework sooner you know when i ask a question she blurts out the answer you know before valentina even has a chance to really process the question and answer it i think sometimes that makes valentina feel like she's not smart enough or it makes her you know doubt herself and i try really hard to separate them because they have different skills. You know, Valentina is more athletically inclined. So, you know, at gymnastics class, she'll be the star student. So she does get her affirmations in different ways. But I, I can see it on her face. I can feel, I can see her feeling like, okay, well, because Lolly will be like, well, I'm done already. And Valentina will be, you know, on number one of page one. And I can see that that, you know, makes her feel a little bad.
0: It sounds like there's a gap in their processing speed Yeah. where Lolly's processing things much faster than Valentina is, which doesn't mean that that Valentina can't do it. It's just at a different pace.
1: Absolutely. And then Lolly is constantly walking into walls because she's just, she's like in her head, you know, she's kind of in the clouds. So she's always covered in bruises. I think at their three-year doctor appointment, the doctor looked at me and said, you know, she's got a lot of bruises on her. I didn't know what to say. I mean, I'm not beating her with a stick. She literally walks into walls.
0: That's funny.
1: Or she just walks into the corner of the couch, and but she will just be lost in her mind.
0: The reason that the reason that's funny for me is I do a lot of workshops on ADHD, where I, I present to schools and I present to community groups and parenting groups and mental health clinician companies and all that kind of stuff. When I talk about the three kinds of ADHD. I talk about how there's the inattentive ADHD, which is the kid who's not paying attention. And there's the hyperactive ADHD, which is the kid who can't stop moving. And then there's the combined type, which is both inattentive and hyperactive, the kid who walks into walls.
1: Great, I've got both.
0: Literally, that's my, (laughs) I literally follow it up with the kid who walks into walls. And then I have to say to the audience, like all of my ADHD jokes come from a place of love. And I, (laughs) I want you to laugh. Like that's part of why we're here is to have a little bit of fun while we learn. So it's extra funny to me that she actually does walk into walls. Oh, yeah.
1: And then, you know, if we're sitting at a table at a restaurant and she's across from me, I mean, I'm getting kicked constantly, constantly. And I'll say, Lolly, please stop kicking mommy.
0: Is it she's just swinging her foot or she's trying to kick you?
1: No, she's just she can't stop moving. Mm -hmm. She just can't not fidget. And we had them in swimming lessons together and Valentina was like amazing. I mean, she was like a fish and doing flip turns at age four, but Lolly just wasn't into it, wouldn't pay attention. And because they were in a group class, you know, that made, that kind of held Valentina back and they wouldn't put them in the swim team because they said, oh, you know, it, we, we went to try out and Lolly was having a bad day. The coach came up to them and, and asked, you know, what's your name? and Valentina says, Valentina, and the coach asks Lolly, and Lolly holds to my skirt as if she's a toddler, and she's like, you tell her. Oh, great. I, you know, because what they were trying to ascertain is whether they were mature enough emotionally to be in, a, in an independent swim team rather than a private, you know, instructed class, and the second she said that, I was like, I know we, not, we didn't make it, you know, and it was just because she was having a bad day. Usually, she has no problem being friendly with people we went to disneyland one time and she started holding hands with the person in line behind us sometimes you just don't know what kind of mood you're going to get her in and and you just have to be able to roll with it and that's definitely uh, not easy when you have three kids and they're all going in different directions
0: and especially where where lolly's performance is affecting valentina's Mm -hmm. assessment that's hard that Valentina's is being held back because Lolly's not behaving right. as maturely as the coaches would like. And
1: I can't go to two swimming lessons. Then I am going to start having mental health issues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how about in terms of um, what it's adding to your family? What does ADHD bring to the table?
1: Well, I think definitely the way, you know, Lolly's learned her lessons the same with my son. I don't see... All of the signs I saw with Lolly in her younger years, but my son, before he was two, he knew all of his letters and he can count to like 30 something. The first time we put him in a preschool class, he was obsessed with the letter W. For some reason, he was obsessed with W and I go pick him up from his preschool class and they're doing sidewalk chalk. And so you see all these beautiful, you know, scribbles, almost like an impressionistic painting. And then you just see W's everywhere. And I'm like, well, I know what my son was drawing. And, you know, we kind of took him out of school for a little bit because we were traveling. And I just started a preschool program with him again. He has a hard time conforming to the rules. Like when he sits on the carpet, he wants to do his own thing. He wants to play with the blocks. He's not interested in what the teacher's talking about. You know, she's already said the same thing three times. He answered it the first time. He's done with it. And the kids in the program have been in there a lot longer, but he he clearly can keep up academically with the older children. So I think that that ability, however it works in the brain to just grasp things that you're interested in, (laughs) because it doesn't work with things they're not interested in, but when they are interested in it, they're just like sponges. It's easy to figure out what they enjoy. And then that's something that I can kind of focus on. And then when I put them in things they don't enjoy, I can tell right away. Like if I put Lolly in a ballet class, I mean, she's looking in the mirror and, you know, doing calisthenics or something weird, just not listening to the teacher. And I'm like, okay, this is not her thing. She's not into it. And that's fine. So I can very quickly, you know, not have to waste my money on dance classes for her. I, I'm still working on on trying to see the positives and what it's adding to my life. I think because the kids are so young, they're very work intensive. And so at this point in life, motherhood is very difficult for me.
0: That's the nature of twins and five-year-olds and two-year-olds. I have twins as well. I get the effort that twins require. I don't have a, a third. So that's a whole nother level of effort that I'm not aware of. But one of the reasons why I ask about what does ADHD add to your family is precisely because often parents haven't thought of that. And I wanna help you think of that. I wanna help people affected by ADHD think about the positives that it brings because it, it does. I'm, I'm not gonna pretend that it's this gift that some people like to claim that it is because it's not. There's a lot of challenges that come with ADHD. Sure. But at the same time, there's some benefits to it. Like you've mentioned that your husband is a very dynamic person. And that's, I imagine, part of what attracted you to him in the first place.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So that's ADHD in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people with ADHD who are very, very dynamic personalities. And some of that is because it causes you to be interested in lots of different things. And some of it is because you get bored easy. So you wind up creating things that are interesting to avoid the boredom. Yeah. But I'm wondering, we've talked a little bit about your kids and and how ADHD has affected you as a mom and, and your kids. As as kids, um, but also we've talked about your relationship with your husband, and because you mentioned that you haven't thought of the positives of ADHD, what what is it adding to your relationship with your husband? What about him and his ADHD is amazing?
1: His intelligence is very attractive to me, and it, it was one of the things that you know made me fall in love with him. And his veracity for reading and his knowledge is so. It's so limitless. I mean, he knows something about everything. And it's amazing to me. You know, we've only been married for six years. We've known each other for eight. And he still surprises me with the things he knows about. I mean, before he was diagnosed, I think surfing was a way he medicated himself. It was something that helped him calm his mind and his body. And because of that, he knows every inch of the California coast, like the back of his hand you could show him a picture um, from a magazine and he'll tell you exactly where it is. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And and he knows all the surfing spots around the world and we'll go through surfing magazines. He'll play a game and he'll be like, oh, that's such and such place. And like 99% of the time he's right. And, you know, if we have a fight because I say, you know, sometimes I'm not in the best mental space and, and I could get hurt. By the fact that he was ignoring me when I was talking, of course, and um, you know, then his way of making up for it is being super attentive. Like he focuses all of his attention on me. He'll take the whole day off and say, "Honey, I'm gonna, you know, have breakfast with you, and we're gonna have lunch together, and let's go do this together." And I'm just like, "No, no, that's too much. I <laughs> <laughs> just need to listen to me." You know, maybe 15 minutes a day would be good. That's his way of showing that, you know, he cares, you know, he can't just buy me some flowers. It's like the whole day is focused on what do you want to do now? You want me to do the dishes? Do you want to go to an exercise class? Can I help you? It's It sounds like it's great, but what he's actually doing is pushing his work day off. And so then the next day he's kind of screwed himself over because he's fallen behind in his work. And that's not what I want from him. You know, it's not that I want him to ignore everything else and just pay attention to me. I understand that sometimes you know he messes up. I wish that he would have, because he's very quick to apologize and explain to me, it's not that I wasn't interested. I'm very interested. I don't want you to feel that I wasn't interested. So he's, he's always trying to explain to me from his end what he's feeling and why he wasn't trying to make me feel bad. Sometimes I wonder if he's not as capable of looking at it from the other side and just trying to understand that when you're speaking to someone, especially a loved one, and they, they're they not looking at you, they're not talking to you, that can be hurtful. And so it's almost like he can't always see my perspective because he thinks he knows what the problem is and he's going to try and fix it the way he thinks is the best way to fix it. And uh you know, sometimes it's not the best way.
0: I'm wondering um, if I can put on a coach hat real quick. Yeah, I
1: would love
0: that. So I'm wondering if when you know that you're going to be in a situation that might cause him to read the paper sort of metaphorically, right? right? I'm wondering if you could talk to him in advance. You know, we're about to we're about to go out to dinner with our friends. Sometimes when we go out to dinner with our friends, you kind of you kind of spend the whole time talking to Steve <laughs> and I don't really get any attention in that regard. And, and Nancy's great, but I would like <laughs> to talk to you also. Could we maybe make an effort to sort of do some crosstalk? and I'll talk to Steve and you can talk to Nancy and we can talk to each other. And maybe we can try to keep the conversation from splitting along gender lines while we go out on this double date.
1: Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying in, in that, in the sense, like when we're in the car today, I could say, Hey, honey, I want to talk to you about something important. Do you think I could have your attention for a minute? You know, maybe that would signal him to put the paper
0: down. Especially because you've mentioned that when he puts his attention on you, he can dive right into that and be really attentive. Yeah. If you prepare him for that. We're driving to work together today, honey, and I would love to have those 45 minutes, however long it takes to get there. I'd love to have those 45 minutes be a time that that we get to spend together.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I'd like to be able to talk to you about whatever, whatever it is that we talk about.
1: And you know, I've gotten that advice from, from therapists before as well. And, and it does work. It does give me the result I want. And, and this, I think is like the biggest struggle that I have. And that is why should I? Why should I take on all these extra things just to have a partner who listens to me? You know, I almost feel like I have to be his coach or I have mm-hmm. to, you know, be his personal assistant and keep him on task. And like, it's even, you know, in the office, I mean, it's more the nature of our work, but I I remind him, hey, this thing is going on or what's the situation with this. and. And at work, it's it's okay because that's my job and I get paid for it and I'm okay with that. But then when we're at home, I want I want a partner. I want somebody who takes a load off of me, not who's putting more on my shoulders. Like I need to do more to get you to do what you should do or what, maybe not what you should do, but what I want you to do. And so that's like a bigger conversation that we've been having over the last few months. And he'll say, he's like, I want to help you at home. Tell me what I need to do. And it's like, well, you know, we've had these kids for almost six years. It's, It's kind of frustrating that I have to tell you. Well, they brush their teeth, they put on their pajamas and they go to bed. He just needs like a directive, like, Just do this because it's not what he wants to do. It's not something he's self-interested in or motivated to do himself. He's doing it because he loves me and he wants to lighten my load and he wants to help me and be a good partner to me. But then I still have the weight of the task on my shoulders because I have to explain to him how to do it or what to do. So it's not completely taking it off my shoulders. It's like half taking it off my shoulders. That's more of my internal struggle because I, I keep going back and forth between, well, I love this man. I understand he has this and I want to help him with it. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, it's not fair, and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And where's my, you know, coach? Where's my person supporting me and, you know, helping me get myself on task?
0: So um keeping my coach hat on. Yeah. That's okay please. I'm going to stick with your metaphor of having the weight of the task on your shoulders. So let's say the task is putting the kids to bed and that task weighs 25 pounds. Yeah. You giving him the directive of how to do that, whether it's because you've literally written it out and he's got like a piece of paper with a checklist on it, um, which is totally a solid strategy, by the way, or it's because you've said to him, like, you need to make sure their teeth are brushed you need to give them some water and then you need to read a story to them and then they should be ready to go to bed right Mm -hmm. let's say that effort is five pounds so putting the kids to bed is 25 pounds organizing that for him is five pounds it sounds like that then feels like 30 pounds yeah is that is that fair to say yeah but if you've put a five pound weight of the organizing of it and then he does all of the 25 pounds of work is it really 30 pounds (sighs) And, and it may very well be that it's really 30 yeah. pounds and, and that's all there is to it. That's why I'm asking.
1: It depends. If it's been a good day and the kids haven't thrown too many tantrums, then it's totally fine. But then if it's been a tough day where I've just been like, get your shoes on, get your shoes on, you know, a hundred times before we can get out the door and it's been one of those days, then it's like that five pounds, it just feels like so much more because it's the continued mental exhaustion from the kids. like, sometimes you just need a release from it. And sometimes, yeah, it's, it's great to just have that little bit of help. And this is, this is something that I totally recognize is like probably the worst thing in the world to do ever um, for any relationship, but it's hard not to compare yourself to others. And it's like, well, you know, Michelle and Brian, they work so well together. I mean, Michelle works three nights a week and Brian just gets everything done and then has the lunches ready in the morning. And then, you know, Chris's comeback will be, well, you know, Brian is a tradesman and he works nine to five. I run a law firm and my job is 24 seven and I constantly have people yelling at me and clients that are upset and deadlines and things like that. And it's like, hmm, yeah, I know. but still, you know, I've got a ton of stuff I'm dealing with too. So, you know, it just, it just depends on the day. And and that's like the struggle because the kids are so young that it's not just us dealing with our relationship and, and trying to come to a place where we figured out how to deal with our different personalities and make them work together. It's, it's just, Some days are good and some days are hard, you know, like that's just what it comes down to. Like some days are awesome and we're like, you know, high-fiving each other because we're a team and we did a good job and we pat ourselves on the back and we got the kids to bed without tantrums and we actually have half an hour to sit together and do something. And then there are some days where, you know, he comes in the room, he's like, I got the kids to bed, is there anything else I can do? And I just give him a look and he knows to just leave the room (laughs) and that's how we end our day. Um, It's a mixed bag. Our goal is to have less days like that and more days that
0: end nicely. That tapped into a memory for me because I used to say the same thing to my wife. X is done. Is there anything else I can do? And I don't say that anymore. I say something slightly different that has, at least in our relationship, made a world of difference. Tell me. (laughs) I say, X is done. Is there anything you need me to do? Yeah. And just that tiny change of now it's, is there anything you need? Not, I need you to tell me what to do. Yeah. It's, do you need anything that I am unaware of? Because that's sort of what he's saying. He's saying like, is there anything that you need that I don't know about? So I can't do it because I don't know about it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it kind of sounds like, please give me a direction. Right. Yeah. And so I, I made that little change. My wife does not get aggravated with me well, as often good. as she used to, since I started saying it that way, because it makes it about her as opposed to being about me.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I think a lot of it has to do with just the way we phrase things, the way we communicate with each other and trying to communicate when I'm not, I'm not doing well. You know, I, And I, that's something I've learned because I get frustrated and he'll call and I'll say, honey, I'm just having a rough day with the kids. And now it's at the point where he's like, okay, I've got to do these couple of things and then I'm on the road. Can I bring you something to eat? Are you hungry? You know, if the little guy is giving you a hard time, I'll take him and you can just chill out and have a few minutes together. And that, that does make a world of a difference. It does, it does help. And, and, you know, sometimes he doesn't get home in time and, and the baby's already fallen asleep. And sometimes I've already fallen asleep. But just waking up in the morning, and sometimes I didn't see the text at night because I was putting the baby to sleep and falling asleep myself. Uh, Just waking up and seeing that he said, I'm leaving now. Can I bring you anything? Do you want anything? One of the things he does do, which is really sweet, is once I get the baby to bed, he'll bring me like a bowl of ice cream. And I love that. (laughs) And so sometimes he'll text me when, when I've told him it's a bad day. And he's like, do we have ice cream at home? Do you need me to stop at the store? And, you know, sometimes it's just the offer that makes me feel this guy, he doesn't always do it right, but he cares. And and that's, I think that is a really important thing that I know internally. And that's what allows me to make all these efforts that I have to do, even though sometimes I'm not happy doing them, but just knowing that this this person actually cares. He really, really does care. And there's something about his brain chemistry that makes it difficult for him to show that he cares in a way that I perceive that he cares. Because sometimes, you know, knowing is is good, but it's not enough. You want to see it as well. But I have that base. Like, I know. Like, no matter what he does, whatever, sometimes he blurts out things. Like, um, I try to, like, kind of go off and, and have my own career. And he said something to me once about how he was like really proud about me and my little career, and he didn't mean to say little career. you know he didn't mean to like demean it in any way, and I knew that. I knew that it came out wrong, and he was like, "I'm so sorry." right away he's like, "That's not what I meant." And I was like, "I know, honey, I know you didn't mean it. I know you're super supportive of me. I know you're really happy for what I'm doing. Just having that baseline knowledge that this person really cares about me makes it a lot easier to tolerate when he can't control you know, mm-hmm. the things that he's saying or the things that he's doing.
0: Just in this relatively brief conversation that we've had, it's incredibly clear to me that you love your husband very, <laughs> very much. I do. It's also clear to me that he yeah. loves you. Even just in the stories that you're telling, even with sort of some frustration here and there, it's still clear that he's, he's trying really hard and he loves you a lot. And every now and then he drives you crazy.
1: (laughs) That's us in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) And he wouldn't drive you crazy if you didn't love him so much. Yeah. (laughs) And I know that's kind of, that's sort of a cliche, but, but it's true. One of the things that, that you've also made me think of another valuable resource that opened up my eyes pretty significantly when I discovered it. And is something that helped my wife and I, when, when things were a little rough for us is a book called the five love languages. Have you ever heard of that before? No,
1: but I'm writing it down. <laughs>
0: it's by a guy named Gary Chapman. And his theory is that everybody expresses love in a one of five love languages, which are, I'm going off the top of my head, so hopefully I get these right. Physical touch. So that's like hugging and stuff. Acts of service. So it's like doing stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Gifts, buying presents or something similar. Quality time. And then um words of praise, I think is the fifth one. Um, And the idea is that if, and this is actually relatively true for my wife and I, my main love language is physical touch. I'm all about like hugging and, and my wife could care less about physical touch. It's just not her deal. Most of the time it's annoying to her and she's like, stop hugging, (laughs) go away. (laughs) So that doesn't make her feel loved, but that's a major way that I express my love. And when I, when she sort of gives me her shoulder rather than a regular hug. I feel like I'm being rejected and that's a big deal because that's my main love language. And we had to kind of negotiate around that. One of her main ways for expressing love is acts of service, making dinner or doing the dishes and that kind of stuff, which means nothing to me.
1: Oh my gosh, that's us to a T as well. All I ever want is for him to just make me breakfast one day, make me a cup of tea. That's it. Mm-hmm. But he would rather take me to breakfast and buy me breakfast. Yep. For him, like he doesn't see the difference there. And for me, it's like like the act of taking five minutes out of your day to do something for me, you know, because that makes me feel like you're thinking about me. Whereas for him, it's like, let's go to breakfast. You know, I'll I'll spend all this time with you. We'll be together. We'll sit together and have quality time. Um, but for me, I'm like, well, that's easy. You just have to pull out your credit card. That's not an effort. you know. I, I, I'd love to read this book because I think that would help me understand that it's more than that.
0: And also with ADHD, and this is that dopamine stuff, small efforts often are very hard because to sort of personify the brain a little bit, it's almost like our brains are saying, no, no, no. Making a cup of tea is not worth doing because there's no dopamine in that for me. I'm not going to waste dopamine on this tiny little activity. Going out to breakfast is completely worth spending some dopamine on. That's worth our mental energy because it's a bigger deal. It's, it's a more complicated process. It's a larger effort. So that is worth it for us to do because our brains get some reward from that. Does this make sense? Yeah. And so you might find that across the board, those little things he's really bad at Oh yeah. But the bigger things, the larger gestures.
1: Like he never goes out and buys me a gift ever. I mean, he's, maybe he's done it like twice, but he always wants to take me to go get a gift. Like whatever you want, honey, the sky's still, whatever you want, that's your gift. You know? So it's, it's like the generosity is there, but I, the way I think of it is like, why am I always going to buy my own gift? Like, why don't you go put some thought into what I like? You know me, you know what I like. Put some thought into it and go get me something. You know, but yeah, the way you're making it sound, it's like, oh, well, I kind of get why he wants me to just go with him and do it together.
0: And it might also be a love language thing. Yeah. Because quality time is one of those love languages. So you're saying, I respond to acts of service and to gifts. A really active of service. Like yeah. you pick the gift, that's an act of service. The gift is a present. The act of service in that is picking the gift and knowing you and all that stuff. Right. And making you tea is an act of service as well. And the love language he's expressing is quality time. He's like, no, let's go together to get the present. Let's go together to get breakfast. Yeah. That might be what's happening. You might just be having this interesting little mix up and conflict in terms of how you're expressing your love for one another. Yeah that's sort of tangential to ADHD. And I apologize for going off the topic a little bit.
1: No, but that's so helpful because ADHD is just one aspect of our relationship. And right. and sometimes I feel like we make too big of a deal out of it. it. It affects every part of our relationship, but but it's not the only thing that we need to work on. And sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like we focus so much on the ADHD, so we're focusing so much on Chris. It's all about Chris, and so many of our fights. Like you know, I'll say that it's all about you. It's always all about you. Um, mm. It's nice to see that these these interactions can also be viewed through other lenses, and everything doesn't have to be viewed through a lens of ADHD. And there's other approaches that you can take to try and come together and, and, and deal with these things that are never gonna change. We can develop tools to deal with them. It's not really going to change. Right. The only thing that's gonna change is, for me, not getting hurt by things that were never meant to hurt me, mm-hmm. and and not taking things personally that were never directed at me personally.
0: My view of a lot of ADHD, and as a former educator and a, and a guy who's married and has a family too, I look at a lot of things through the lens of communication and problem solving. The benefit to understanding ADHD is that it helps you understand how the person with ADHD is most likely to communicate, how they're best able to communicate, Mm -hmm. and what methods of problem solving and communication just are not going to work because of how their brains operate. Because once you can eliminate all the stuff that isn't going to work and you know it, it's not going to work because ADHD is in the family, Yeah. sort of define your sandbox and see where you're playing and where the boundaries are, mm-hmm. then you still might find stuff in the sandbox that doesn't work. That might happen and it probably will happen. But there's certain stuff that just isn't going to work and there's no amount of fighting that's going to change that and no amount of learning and effort that's going to change that. A person with ADHD is probably going to be late. They're probably going to forget stuff. Those are... <sighs> things that are going to happen. So knowing that in advance means that you can allow for that, get workarounds and figure out how to help them be on time, even though they're really bad at it. Yeah. So that's a handy, That that's the way I look at it is let's define our sandbox, figure out what's going to work, what's definitely not going to work. And then what may or may not work <laughs> and try yeah. this, what we can do to make things a little bit easier. That's Both what
1: I feel like I'm doing right now is just trying to build my toolbox and just keep putting all my tools in there and you know, just trying to trying to learn more and read more because it's really hard to talk to people about ADHD if they're not affected by it. A lot of people don't really think it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of hard because I feel like, wow, it's 2017 and we're still having that conversation.
0: That's because ADHD gets moralized a lot. Yeah. Being unfocused is somehow a moral failing. Yeah. Struggling with your understanding and awareness of time is somehow a moral failing. Yeah. Forgetting to do things is somehow a moral failing. It's not just a difference of neurology and a, a lack of skills. It means that you are inherently disinclined yeah. to cooperate with other people, and that makes you a bad person, which is not what's going on.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's why Chris's dad, you know, when he first started learning about it, I think that's why he had tears in his eyes because he, was always looking at his son and thinking, you know, why is my son such a bad kid? And then, you know, as he came to understand that he just had ADHD, he realized, wow, I've been doing my son a disservice. I haven't been helping him in ways that I could have helped him to succeed.
0: Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.